this is the moment, like this is the time now to like really um, show up and share my voice with, with people because I feel like that was holding me back from sharing the work. Thank you for inviting me to have this conversation. <laughs> Welcome to Therapist Expanded, where we start a mental health revolution by living our dreams fully and freely beyond industry conditioning and taking every client with us because we'll only take them as far as we've gone. So join me, your host, Aaron Gibb, and my trailblazing guests and be revolutionary by expanding your mind and your life to your freest and fullest potential. Hello, mental health revolutionaries. Welcome back to the podcast. If this is your first time listening, I'm really grateful for however you found this podcast and I hope you'll follow along. Today, my interview is with Julie Jacinto. Julie has some amazing offers. And I speak to this in the podcast about how going to her website is an a la carte experience. It's amazing. You can choose self, you can choose child or generational. So you can really choose what you're looking for. And Julie's going to tell us about her work in this podcast. And there's going to be a link in the show notes, but it's worth checking out. It's beautiful and brave. And what's fascinating as an aside with this podcast is I am really exercising surrender and trust with the podcast more than probably anywhere in my life. Am I feeling I'm in my zone of genius and also not controlling what's happening? It's an exercise in that surrender and trust because Julie was someone that uh, my launch manager suggested. And I was like, okay, I felt aligned and didn't really know much. And it turns out that Julie and I have a lot in common and we are practically neighbors. And I have interviewed people all over the world and continue to have a bank of people who I haven't released yet from all over the world. So for someone to be practically a neighbor, legitimately, I think I could walk to where she lives. And to meet this way, I've gained more than I know. I know this is going to unfold in some way. So for anyone listening, if there's anything you're not trusting in your life and you could let go a little, I suggest try it out because the magic that comes with not controlling and just surrendering in this way, trusting what comes to you, it's unfolding for me in a deeper way every day. In the show notes, you're going to find links to some of my different offers, all about you living authentically beyond the blocks in your life. So without further ado, here is my interview with Julie Jacinto. Okay, so I'm here on the podcast today with Julie, and I just want to thank you, Julie, for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. So we're going to start where we do, which is... Tell us about yourself, your work, and your passion. Yes. Well, I'm a mom of three wildly spirited children, and I unschool them with my husband. We live in Gray County, just close to the bay, and we have three cats, and we have chickens. And when I'm not having fun with my family, I'm supporting women 
in soul therapy and also soul parent spiritual child education. Mm. So this is probably the part where your listeners are like, what is that? <laughs> and it's interesting because I stopped saying to people that I was a soul therapist for a little bit. And I just started telling them I'm a holistic therapist. And many were very accepting of that title because they felt like their brain and their mind could like understand it a bit more. But I felt like doing that wasn't fully honoring the work. So I'm back to sharing that I am a soul therapist. And I do want to share that this work was developed by my mentor, Deborah Sky King, both offerings. And I'm very honored to share them with women. So soul therapy is a therapeutic approach to understanding the human experience from the soul level. And so we work through the emotional, mental, and physical parts of you that are entangled and parts of you that are holding you back from living who you truly and authentically are. And so when we work through those parts of you, it then allows you to connect more deeply to your spirit and to your soul. And so your spirit is the part of you that lights you up. It's what wakes you up in the morning, brings you joy, that gratitude piece, that intuitive piece, that leads you and your soul is what have you come here to do so that drive that purpose and so oftentimes in our upbringing we can become very disconnected from that part of ourselves and so moving through the emotional mental conditioning that we develop over those years can then bring you back to that part where you just feel more alive and more free because you are living for yourself and not necessarily for others or for who others want you to be. So that's the soul therapy portion. And then I also offer soul parents, spiritual child education. And so it's very similar in terms of like a therapy setting in the sessions, but it works more on the family dynamic and value portion and where you are at with that. So oftentimes in our upbringing, we can take on other people's values, especially like in our culture or society or just, you know, what our parents valued and shared with us. So this work allows you to reconnect to what do you value. And if you have children, it allows you then to honor what do they value? Because even though you have a family, not everyone in the family is going to have the same values. And so that was a big one for me in how I connected with my children was really understanding how can I support them? So why am I butting heads so hard <laughs> with them and what it is actually that they need and not what I need them to do? So that was a big piece for me. There's also parts within the program where you kind of move through the mother-child relationship and the female lineage. So just the emotional portion of that in terms of what is the family patterns that we are seeing and becoming more aware of that. And then when you have that awareness piece is, okay, well, wow, now I have the opportunity to change this for my children. I could talk all day about that program. I, I really appreciate and honor it because it's sort of trying to work with breaking down the conditions sooner 
so that we don't have to become adults and, you know, work through it, like, you know, live this life where we're kind of not being ourselves fully and truly and working through it at an older age, we can sort of like meet it more sooner. And so, yeah. Yeah, because children come in, we all come in with that blueprint for what we're here to do. And it just blossoms in us. And before that conditioning, it's fascinating to me as having done, you know, worked with clients for now over a decade and seeing how it's really a full circle situation and that everything we're really seeking, ironically, outside of ourselves, out in the world, based on our conditioning, we keep seeking, seeking, seeking. Is all of what we had when we were little, but got conditioned to suppress. And it was really beautiful to hear you say something that I've heard from so many therapists, because you, your model maps so well onto therapy, but the difference is, is the title and obviously the spiritual portion. But I talked to many therapists who actually, I'll back up. When I first did my website for my first private practice, I remember I put spiritual. I had mandalas as my logo. I was living out loud in that department. And I obviously met some resistance in myself about that. The conditioning I had received in school, all about this science. And I have a master's in science. So it was this kind of like juxtaposition, but it was who I was. So who else am I going to be? And then I put that out there and I remember clinicians coming to me and being like, aren't you afraid of what the college is going to say? Well, aren't people going to think one person said, well, you use the word empath, which is true about me. You use the word empath on your website. People are going to think you're nuts. And I was like, this is such a gift. Every time they came to me with their conditioning, I thought, and this is why not everyone is my client. So that's cool. And I actually get, I get emails sometimes from family members about my podcast with like concern and it's all a beautiful test and it's a test to love them anyway and still live out loud. That's how I look at it anyway. What do you notice about that? Yeah, for sure. Like I definitely had to work through a lot of that as well because like I worked for the government and I was very like comfortable just you know, the nine to five. And I was really, really disconnected from that part of myself. Mm -hmm. And so it took me quite a long time to feel comfortable with being able to share. Yeah, the word spiritual or like, because I think often people hear that word and they attach it to religion. Mm -hmm. It's so much more than yeah, what we're conditioned to believe that it is, you know, and they connected to like woo woo, this idea of that it's a fantasy or that it's intangible on some level, maybe, but really, you know, science and spirituality are converging more than ever. They were obviously always one thing in my experience of consciousness, but it's becoming harder and harder for the denial of spirituality to actually be based in reason. I'm using air quotes, but it is really based in conditioning. So, of course, we're going to meet resistance. I used to work for the government too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's where I actually like battle tested this in terms of therapy. Cause I worked in the Northwest territories for the government doing actually doing therapy there. And it was really fascinating because it's a much smaller government. And so you're really close to like, it was like my position, my supervisor, their supervisor, the minister. 
And okay. it was amazing. So you saw this political, I didn't love it at all. It was messy. But what I learned there was that working with such complex people, trying to do what I had been trained in grad school was laughable. With that complex population, doing CBT and doing like, it was, I laugh because there was no way I could work with people from a different culture who I was this colonial representation coming in there, telling them what to do. Like I'm laughing because it was not with people with complexity that I couldn't have possibly fathomed. And what worked was doing the shit that was weird, doing the spiritual things, doing the meditation, doing the mindfulness, doing eye movement therapies and doing the mixture of mind body therapies. It was like, I needed to try things that, and there wasn't a lot of evidence then for it. It wasn't what it is now where spirituality and and mental health have become buddies and mindfulness, especially. So I battle tested. And I actually think now that we're talking about this, that was why it was easier to live out loud was because everything people were saying to me felt like a gift instead of a test to my worth or which is normal. If people are listening to this and they're thinking, I want to live out loud more. But every time people challenge me on it, part of my conditioning swallows me up. Like that's normal. Mm-hmm. So I'm so grateful for everything you shared. I also want to say I had no idea that you live in the same county as me. Because I interview people from South Africa, from Australia, from the UK, the US. And so we were we were introduced by my launch manager, Allison. And I had no clue that we genuinely probably live 45 minutes from each other, if not less. Yeah. It opens my mind. My own conditioning says that this region is not necessarily ready for some of what we're talking about, but evidently I'm incorrect and that my conditioning can handle right in this moment, widening or letting go. So yeah, and especially what you're doing with children. Yeah. I think that like to speak on what is my passion, I feel like that piece is my passion. I really, really see children in a different light than how I used to. So I can share. In the past, I was a new mom. So I had my two daughters, they're 21 months apart. And I was working the full time government job and doing all the things. And I was so disconnected from myself that I hated being a mother. The things I used to say about my children, I couldn't even imagine me saying them now. (laughs) Just crude and awful. And just I was in victim a lot, a whole lot of emotions and things that showed up in that time in my life. And then I was able to work through a lot of it. And now I see them so differently as my teachers. And one of my passions and like what lights my spirit up is being able to watch children just in their essence and playing. And before I never used to be able to play or I would never like really understand or be able to like witness them. And so that has really shifted in me. And I really want to be able to share this with mothers so that they can really see the connection and the dynamic that they can have with their child. Because I know so many grown 
adults that don't have like men or women but like the connection that they have with their mother is like it's non-existent and I feel like there's just so much work to be done there and so I, I really that's the part that gets me so excited <laughs> oh I feel so like tears were surfacing as you were talking because I can so feel so much of what you said it was like I could feel a sadness a bigger sadness than my personal sadness with my daughter, my mother, yours. It was like a collective sadness around how we view children. And I've recently been my business partner. This is so funny. I just trust when people are like, you should interview this person. Okay. I, I, you know, I get an intuition if it's not a fit, but for you, I felt it was my business partner is a play therapist. And my business or our clinic is, has three playrooms, one for adults, two for kids. Yeah. So it's, I was rolling around in a playroom last night. We were rolling around on the floor and I used to be, I used to do play therapy with kids. I had a play therapy suite of my own. Okay. Yeah. So, but the purpose of why I'm saying this is that lately I've been listening to my, my business partners creating content for parents to see children differently. She's got a new model called hold to work with families. She's moving out of working with kids independently and working with their families. But what it is about is the re-seeing of children and the understanding that what you said there, why it touched me so deeply, is it's about, there's so many layers to it. It's about how we, be, what we were taught as children about ourselves. Did we have any, was anyone meeting us with compassion? The message I received as a child was that, that no one could wait till I grew up. I was a burden as a little kid with all those needs and all the, the non-rational thinking and like nobody knew what to do with the kid. They didn't remember they had disowned their own child nature. And it, it just makes me think of her videos where we're talking about what parents call behavior and it's needs, it's emotions, and it's filtered through the lens of what you were talking about, the normal cultural kind of like annoyance with why can't they just get it together? Why can't they just listen? If that's what kids were supposed to do, that's what they would be doing. It's they're meant to explore. They're so they are our teachers, like you said. Yeah, such a paradigm shift there, and a needed one. Yeah, yeah, and I love that you the whole play therapy. So my daughters are currently in play therapy, and it's interesting that you share that you offer that in your clinic. So I'll go back. I'll start over in terms of like why they're in therapy. I won't share the full story, but they had a traumatic experience back in April of last year. What's interesting is that I didn't recognize it right away, but they developed post-trauma. Mm. And so what I was noticing just in their behaviors, so they started fighting a lot, which was very different because we as a family have worked through a lot of stuff. And it's interesting because at the beginning of 2022, it was like, wow, I finally feel like we're just like whole and together and it feels great and it's awesome. And then out of nowhere, something can happen and you don't have control over it. And, and so that's their experience. But what I did have control over was being able to start to recognize, okay, well, these behaviors are showing up. So why are they? And then I started to notice, like I started to witness them a bit more. And I noticed my older daughter was wanting a sense of control. Like she just wanted to control everything. And so because of that, then the others would like start fighting. 
And so I realized like, oh my goodness, she's lost that like connection to her intuition. Like she just wants to now be in this sense of control all the time. My younger daughter would come and start asking like, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? What are we doing this time? Like, I need to know, I need to know all the things. And so like so much heightened anxiety. And I'm like, this isn't like her. She's the most like connected to like what she needs and what she's going to do. And she tells me all about her, what she's going to do in her day. And that totally disappeared. And so I recognized like, oh my gosh, they have post-trauma. And so I started trying to seek out therapists in the area for children, like where I live. And it was so difficult. Mm-hmm. It was such a challenge. Yeah. And I, I was like, this can't be like, children need support, just like adults. Like, I think there's this idea that as a society, we think, oh, only adults need therapy because like, they're the ones that, you know. Most of my clients, when I was specializing with clients, now I work with therapists. But at the time, because of my history in the North with complex populations, when I came back to Gray County, I was working with really complex people. That was my niche. That's who I worked with. I got a name for that. People would come. I was full very fast. But what happened was the techniques I do look at what's missed in normal therapy, which is the early nonverbal period, which is the time we don't remember. I'm using air quotes. And that's the source of many people's difficulty now. Parts, you know, fragmented consciousness, dissociation and and complex trauma. So trauma in general, but the specific period of time that is missed. And the thing that I hear in our culture is this. They won't remember. Well, actually, when I would do a float back with people, not only would people remember, they would gain access to memories that we don't have under the age of four. They would sometimes float back right out of this life and go to others. So that was scary for them. But it was like I wasn't sure about past lives at one point until I witnessed it myself. And I was like, okay, I can be humble. But regardless, it was that early time frame that was missed. So I had clients who would come to me after 30 years of seeing therapists and tell me that none of this is going to work. And I'd say, okay, let's just see. When we floated back, it was that pre-verbal period where they would, uh, something would happen and they'd say, no one ever told me this. No one ever, because they didn't think that they would remember. And there's a lot of birth trauma excuse me, a lot of NICU stays that the person would remember in my work with them. They'd go talk to their parents and be like, oh yeah, yeah. You spent like two weeks in the NICU. And they would say, yeah. And I've had lifelong anxiety and no one could ever figure out why it was always, I was the problem kid to be separated at birth from your parents is deeply traumatic. So to speak to what you're saying, not only do people completely disregard those four years, three, four years where we don't remember but then in the after that, even people think, well, you know, whatever that they, they won't. It's just going to be OK or we shouldn't tell anybody because they'll be fine. It's it's so rampant. And it's just like as therapists, it's like, are, are you kidding? But there's this misunderstanding of children fundamentally. Mm-hmm. It's not little adults. And we see it going all the way back to you look at Renaissance paintings, seeing how children were painted. It was so strange. They had like a cherub-like kid body with an adult head. People didn't understand them all the way back then. And we're not really that different on some level. It's changing as a cultural norm, but 
something happens in brain development where we become adult. And it's so hard to, but going back to me, to what I said earlier, is that the essence of what we really want is to go back to that open, mindful, creative, curious, present, loving, attached being we were at the beginning. So that's within us. It's this strange irony for me as I watch this all with human behavior. It is. If I cut you off, I apologize. I just got so like that was my shtick, right? It was early trauma. So yeah. I could yeah. talk for days. I could talk for days too. How much time do you have for it? Well, we may have a part two. Like, Maybe. We have a part two. Like to even to speak to. So some of the the work that could show up within like the soul parent spiritual child education can often move into like the first two years of life. And like that, like what were the emotions your mother was experiencing? Mm-hmm. Or like, what were you being exposed to that, you know? And like, it's interesting because you would want to try to think and go back to that time and you can't, but there are ways to get there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The float back I mentioned is definitely not cognitive. It is completely based on the mind, body, yeah, you can't really get there cognitively. There is a barrier. We all know that. So when people say, oh, they won't remember, they are on some level correct in the rational left brain procedural memory that is a joke anyway. I mean, that's not that's not a Polaroid. It's just is the illusion of one. In that area of the brain, yes, okay, maybe not. But in the body, in the, in the nervous system, and all those other places, the memory, theoretically, every single thing we've ever experienced lives in an unconscious state in the collective unconscious, in the spirit and the soul, and yeah, in the body. So yeah, I think we could talk about that for days. And I, I sense there could be a part two. So I wonder about the question that I call like a two-sided coin. So can you tell us about a time, two times, a time where you found yourself holding yourself back from going after what's really for you, self-level desire, even though it was scary and a time where you really went for it, you took a risk. Okay. So let's start with the taking a risk part. So having this conversation with you, (laughs) a lot of stuff showed up for me before we hopped on this call. So the last year I worked through a lot of shame around my voice and how it sounds and, and all of that. And, and awareness was brought to me around it all of the fun things. And before we started the call, my voice started to shut down. And I was like, wow, what is happening? Like, why is this showing up in me now? Like, I thought, like, I met it. I, you know, I worked through it. I thought the emotional portion and like the mental portion was all like, Mm. you know, But what I didn't realize was that this would be the first time that I would actually be sharing my voice publicly out loud. Um, And so my physical body didn't yet experience it to sort of move that all through. And so there was a bit of fear that showed up around coming on to this call. And yeah, I think like it was sort of like, okay, Julie, it's time to take that risk and jump off of the ledge to just do this. 
So I've always had like a fear of public speaking and it does stem back to elementary and the whole speeches in front of the school and all of that. And so it was just interesting to sort of meet myself here and think, oh, that's not a thing anymore until I have to physically do it and work through it. But I know because this has happened to me in the past that once I've done it, once, then it will be released in it. And so this is sort of, I think I share with you, like, this is the moment, like, Mm -hmm. this is the time now to like, really show up and share my voice with people, because I feel like that was holding me back from sharing the work. And just even having this conversation with you, there's many people even in our area that could really use support. And so thank you for inviting me to have this conversation. (laughs) Oh, I am beyond honored and my zone of genius in life. Like there's this something that happens right here in this transformational moment of where you do the hard thing. I mean, I ask those questions for a reason because that is the stuff that lights me up the most. If anybody's listened yourself or anyone else listened to my earlier, I think it's one of the first full podcasts here. I talk about the idea of the cliff and how I have become kind of a junkie for doing this moment that you're doing right now. At first it terrified me, but then it was like, oh, this is conditioning. Oh, there's another layer. Oh, there's a little, I thought I have had this experience. Like I have worked on this. What is happening? It depends. There's been some things with this launch with Therapist Expanded where things have come up that I was like, I don't want to put my jetpack on and jump off of the cliff. I want to hide. Wow. Fascinating. So I've learned where I thought I was playing big, some ways I was still playing smaller. So I love this moment where it's like, this is so crass, but it's the thing that's coming up. It's almost like I like to make fear my bitch. I don't know how else to say it, but it's like, I mean that with love towards (laughs) myself. It's like, I love you and this isn't you. And I'm going to hold your hand and we're going to jump off the cliff. So to be able to witness you in this moment, I feel the energy of you going, this is like you opened your arms and you were like, this is it. It's done now. Yeah. I love this moment. To me, it's the courage. It's just so beautiful. So I'm incredibly honored that you're doing this here because you could do this anywhere. I mean. True. True. yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Oh, thank you. So you answered both, I think, which is that the voice, like being heard was really hard for a long time. And then you faced it. Yeah. Okay. And I think I said this off of our recording, but I'll say it here for anyone listening. Being seen and being heard is so fundamental to human fears. I mean, there are so many reasons and everybody's got their own particular conditioning, but there's also a bigger non-personal element to it. I mean, human beings have a long history of persecuting anyone who's different, even anyone who's innovative. The guy who discovered hand washing was a good idea. <laughs> Died penniless and alone because, and he was a doctor and he was, it was saving lives for him to wash his hands, but oh. he was persecuted. Like you can find endless stories and we know that that conditioning exists in our life and beyond us. So it's not like what you're doing right now doesn't have a deep history in human beings of where putting yourself out there and being different didn't mean someone was killed. I mean, legitimately, that is in our collective memory. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
and it's happening on the planet right now. It's not a historical thing. Right. So I just want to say that if anybody's listening and they're afraid to be seen or heard and it's holding them back, it's bigger than you. It's a non-personal fear and a personal fear. And if you're privileged to live in any kind of safety, it might be time to try it out. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. The last kind of structured question I have is what does mental health revolution mean to you? Yes. Okay. Mental health revolution to me is moving outside of the box that is the system. Like there are so many different ways of healing approaches and modalities that can support. And so I think it's important that we share with each other what has helped and be more open-minded to the approaches that might sound a bit more woo-woo, for lack of a better word. And, you know, this might mean trying something new. And so maybe someone has tried the conventional approach and they didn't feel it was supportive. Don't give up. Really try to find what feels aligned or supportive to you so that you can find your way back to yourself. Mental health, I think to me, is more than the mind. It's really understanding that there are more parts to you that are connected to that part. Like the mind is a tool, so it can lead or it can be led. And so really being able to understand that there are different ways that can bring you to a place where you can feel more yourself and live a life of freedom and joy. Like it, it is possible. And so I think just sharing that perspective is, I guess, the revolution part to me, I guess. Mic drop, for sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I often think about when we work with someone, whether it's a therapist, a supervisor, whomever, to, to go in and, and interview them. To yes. really check with our intuition, because I know with working with many clients in the past, they'd be like, I gave up on therapy for a long time because I had a, a misfit of an experience, like there wasn't fit. And it was so courageous for them to come back. So I love what you said is don't give up because we're not everybody's best friend. Fundamentally, everyone we meet on the street is not our best friend. And so that tends to happen when we are finding support is we don't jive with everyone. I love what you said to consider the non-traditional, the more integrative approach if that feels like what you need. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I also love what you said about the mind as a tool. It can lead or be led. Yeah, in our culture, it often leads, but it is the, even from a neuroscience perspective, the mind as we think of it, the, the little commentator, the, the thinker, the rationalizer is the slowest, part of the brain it has the slowest wiring it shouldn't be making our decisions no. <laughs> it, it's legitimately i've called it an ugly redhead stepchild no offense to <laughs> redhead stepchildren out there but it is the filter yeah i love doing bottom-up stuff so that it's like the whole change happens and the mind is the last to know mm -hmm. and it's like oh interesting that just happened okay i guess i gotta let go of all these stories maybe do i yeah i think i should but if we go through it, it's like a closed door. All we need is stories and barriers. So I love how you said that. These alternative approaches come through different doorways. 
Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's really beautiful, the work that you're offering, because I think that can make a difference in how they can show up and support others is just doing the work as a therapist for yourself. That is extremely important. And so anyone out there that may have tried like therapy, and they've given up on it, you know, yes, it is important to interview the person. And you're just going to know, you're going to know in that moment, whether that person makes you feel safe. And if they do, then it's aligned. And yes, but if it doesn't, there are other people and you just got to keep following where it leads you so that you can find that. But I, I really do feel like it's such an important piece is for therapists to really do their work as well because we all need support and we all need healing yes and there's forces within our field that both say to do it and say you've got to present in a way that is you know you need to know stuff and you need to be present as if you're not the imposter and all these things there's these different messages we get which are fascinating I also know that what stopped me from working with certain therapists at times as a therapist was I was really looking for me and I couldn't find me in a therapy that therapist that was outside of myself. So I love what you're saying, which is open up to, to that there might be someone who does a completely different modality because we can get kind of married to our modalities and going to conferences sometimes feels like a turf war. Like the CBTers are over here and the EMDRs are over there. It's amazing. But, you know, I am not exactly a proponent of CBT. It's not my favorite. The, the research is, you know, I, I talk about I'm always eventually going to have this guy on to talk about the research, but it, it's um, skewed. But anyway, and it works on that one part of the brain. But who's to say it wouldn't help me? I don't know. I have done lots of CBT techniques on myself. I'm sure I'm doing it all the time. So it's this opening one's mind to that actually it broadens our horizons. And my philosophy about fulfillment as a therapist is that why it's so important for us to be fulfilled, for us to go after our deepest desires, is that that takes us, everybody who's watching, our family, and all the clients we work with further. That's, that just happens. Because we can only take people as far as we've gone. Mm -hmm. It's not available in our consciousness otherwise. So us continuing to grow and maybe doing what feels outside of the box, outside of the field, outside of the conditioning. Yeah, if anybody's listening and they feel stuck, it may be time to just look outside of your training, your box. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So how can work, actually, before I say, how can the listeners find you? I'm going to put all your links in the show notes, so that's no problem. But maybe there's a particular one you want people to go to, or there's a particular something you'd like to tell them about. Yeah, I show up most consistently on social media. I'll be on Instagram. And so I'll probably be sharing more consistently there through posts because I, I have found space to return to work. Um, so I sort of had to take time away 
to be with my daughters through their healing journey, but I frequently share in stories. And part of the reason is because I do unschool and I have moments where I share with my children, I do honor them. And I have, I often will ask them like, is it okay if I share this on social media? And they'll usually tell me like, yes, you can share it, but only in stories so that it's not on the internet forever. And I'm like, okay, fair, you know, or we'll have a conversation of what they're okay with and what they're not. But I usually show up there regularly. And I really only have one energy for one platform. So that's usually where you will find me. And I do also have a website. And in the link in my bio is often where I'll show any upcoming workshops or things like that, or any new offerings and, and whatnot. So beautiful. And I can speak to that your website is very beautiful aesthetically, what you're saying there, it's clean. And I love that you have a choice. It's, are you looking for self? Are you looking for child, parent? Mm -hmm. Are you looking for generational? Mm -hmm. And I love that you start there. You have this nice picture of you and it's like, choose your own adventure. And I did all three. I was like pushing the buttons, but (laughs) there was a good vibe to your website. And uh, I encourage anyone to go and check it out. And I love that you're living out loud because I can say, honestly, I have worked with many therapists who it's really hard to put some of what you put on your website. And yet it is, I see the pixie dust is what's coming up for me, but it's the piece that, that often develops for people from any therapeutic lineage. People often, it doesn't seem to matter what we do. People's spiritual life becomes important at some point in their journey, even if it becomes just a point of angst, but it comes up. Yeah. And often once people have done quite a bit of healing, they naturally gravitate there. I've had people refer to me because they were like, I did wonderful work with a therapist and this started arising and they didn't know how to help me. So yeah, yeah. I really hope people will check out your website. It's beautiful. And I, now that I know about your social media, I'm going to go there. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Therapist Expanded. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast to help more of our colleagues join the revolution.